mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John 15. John 15, as we make our way through this evangelist's testimony of the things that Christ did so that we would believe and continue to believe, he tells us over in 1 John 5, 13. He says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may believe in him and continue to believe. It's not a one-time thing like we've made it in our culturanity today. And there's a lot of things that when you get into the Word of God and have a personal relationship with God, you begin to find out that it's not like what the culture is trying to present to you. It's not like what the apostate church wants you to follow because the devil has snuck up. He came to rob, kill, and destroy. And what he's doing is stealing our inheritance, a free inheritance that's been given to us in Christ. And if you want to know the pattern of that, you go back to Genesis 1. What did he do? Adam and Eve walking with God in the garden. They inherited a relationship. And he snuck in and he lied to them and he stole that, re that inheritance. Christ came as the kinsman redeemer to bring it back to us. We say a prayer, and then we walk away, and we let the enemy steal all the fruit, all the inheritance that the Father has given us from heaven. We should be living in a heavenly way every day. Listen, it's the newness of life. You can walk in it. You can breathe air from heaven. You can sit actually today and rest and have peace and understand everything about the kingdom of God if you let the Holy Spirit lead you. Everything. You don't have to sit down here miserable. You don't have to be down here in bondage. You don't have to be down here doing nothing. You can be growing fruit. So let me ask you, what kind of fruit are you growing today? Listen, think about it long and hard. When we plant our gardens, we go, okay, I'm going to plant this. I'm going to plant that. And we think about what we're going to do. I mean, my wife used to plan it all out. She'd have months before, she'd be writing it down and where she's going to plant it. And you can't plant this next to that. You can't plant that next to that. Remember last week's, remember last week's uh, sermon on verse 1? Naboth had a vineyard right next to Ahab's palace. And Naboth means fruit. And he was a Jezreelite. And Jezreelite means that what God has planted God planted him right there in a vineyard next to the king's castle. And the king said, I'm going to go take that. I want that. That's a nice place for my garden. And that's exactly what the devil does. He says, I'm going to come and steal everything that you have because that's a nice place for me to grow my perverted fruit. It's a nice place for me to grow my unworthy fruit. It's a nice place for me to grow religion. And all the synagogues of Satan grow. And it's all in our hearts. 
And God wants to allow the experiences in life, the, the pain, the suffering, the heartache, to turn over the fallow ground. And then when you spend time with him, his word goes in there. It's planted in the soil of your heart. And if you allow the Holy Spirit to water it, I guarantee you it'll grow. I guarantee you to produce fruit, some 60, some 30, some 100-fold. That's what it's called to do. You cannot stop God from growing in your heart unless you put your hand in his face, unless you quench and grieve and insult the Holy Spirit. In fact, we learned about this. Look, before I read in here, let's read back in, in chapter 4. Remember this Samaritan woman? Now, don't forget that these, these priests that were in Jesus' days, these Pharisees and Sadducees, and much of the nation, much of the nation, they would not even go down to Samaria because they were half-breeds. They were not full-blooded Jewish people. They had married in when the Assyrians took uh, uh, the, the, the southern tribes and they sent back uh, people to sleep with them and to marry them and to rule the land. And they bore fruit that was mixed race. And they were called the Samaritans. And so Jesus, what does he say? They would go miles around Samaria. Jesus said, I must need go through Samaria. Must need. He had to go through Samaria. Listen, he has to come to your heart. He has to come and visit you. The Holy Spirit has to be sealed in you. If you have not the Spirit of God, you are none of God's. But notice this when he's talking with her, and he told her uh, a bunch of things. He told her in um, 25 that he was, or excuse me, 26, he was the Messiah. She said, she had some knowledge. She said, I know that in 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. What did he say in 26 to her, to a Samaritan, to a, to a half-breed, to a dreg of society, to the ones that the religious people wouldn't even visit with but would go around to keep from walking on their ground? Look, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Listen, if you want to bear fruit worthy of repentance, you have to listen to the voice of God. If you want to be a child of God, Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. And when you hear his voice, something changes in your heart. The soil begins to move, and you begin to say, wait a minute, what's going on? Where have I been living all of my life? And so notice what the woman did in verse 28. Listen, you're the woman. The woman who had came to draw water, she was shamed in town because she had been married five times and was living with a man. So she would go outside of the city so she didn't have to go to the well in the heat of the day. She said, it says here, the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, she went and testified. She went and gave, she became a witness instantly when she met the Messiah. Listen to me. You must bear fruit. Just as, just as a vine bears fruit, John 15, we're going to be there in a minute. Just as a vine, when you plant a vineyard, you would expect it to grow fruit. Remember, we, we did it last week. God planted a vineyard. He put, he put a tower in it. He, he, he took all the rocks and the stones out. He protected them. And he would have expected them to grow uh, grapes. And they produced wild grapes, rebellious grapes. They did their own thing. They rejected God. And that became us to our advantage because, because they rejected God. Now we have the age of the Gentiles. And we might go there to Romans 11. That's your homework today because that's where we're reading through the Bible together. And he's talking about a tree there, but it's the same thing. Whether you're talking about the fig tree 
You're talking about an olive tree. You're talking about a grapevine. You're still talking about this big garden that we're in. And, and it's your heart. And you have a choice today. Do you want to walk with God daily? Being led by the Holy Spirit? Hearing His voice? Building a love relationship? Learning to be the bride of Christ? Or do you want to reject Him and say, No, you know what? I've got some things to do today. I'm busy today, Lord. I don't have time to grow fruit. See, because fruit you're going to see here is not just souls, but fruit is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And they both work together at the same time. It's, it's love. When you're putting on the fruit of Christ, it's love. He's living in your heart and he wants to grow and spill out and gush out on the other people. Morning. And so it, it, when we get back to John 15, 5, we'll see this. But in verse 428, what did the woman do? She left her water pot. What? Think about this for a minute. This is the broken cisterns of the world where they're all saying, here's your power, here's your glory, here's your fame. It's the broken cisterns of the world. It's a water pot. It's what I've been drawing water from, but we want the Holy Spirit. That's the true water of life. That's the true water that we want. Listen to me. So you have to leave your old water pots behind. And then go and tell somebody about Jesus. Draw a line in the sand and say, no, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord our God. So this woman leaves her water pot and she goes to tell other people. She, she recognizes now that the broken cisterns and the water that's in them, they don't work. There's nothing good there when she met the Messiah. So she went her way because now her way is his way. See, 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 when we look at John 15, 5, you're going to see that it's impossible to be planted in Christ and Christ in you and not bear fruit that looks like love. And when you start to look at that love, it's, it's a cluster of grapes. And it's, it's got, mm, there's some joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control growing on that. Listen to me. You're staying attached as the branch. Notice, if you ever do anything, how many things you guys build out of, out of, out of grape? Uh, that, that thing that's left over, what's that called? After you pick the fruit off of it? How many things, what are they making now? They're making houses out of those now? They're good for nothing but to throw them in the fire and burn them. You can't make nothing out of a, out of a grape cluster leftover twig thingy. I don't know what it is. Anybody know what it's called? If you know what it's called, just yell it out somewhere and we'll talk about that. But that thing that you pick the fruit off of, the fruit is what is amazing. And that fruit has to remain that little bitty group, uh, that twig thingy that is no good for nothing. That's us. Stem. Thank you. Now, I told you, yell it out because I don't know what it is. And it, it, it's not, there's a branch and there's a stem. But it always connected to the root, to the vine, where every good blessing flows from. Listen, there's no way to grow good fruit unless you're connected to the one who is good. And as a Christian, I mean, if you, if you chase this all the way through the Bible, all the way back in Genesis 1.11, he creates the trees and kind always produces kind. If, whether it's animals, whether it's fruit, you, you sow corn, you always produce corn kind. You don't produce beans out of corn. So how can we say that we're Christians, I know Jesus, he's in me, I'm in him, and then not become Christ-like? 
bear fruit worthy of repentance, bear fruit that looks like love. And what does he do? He came down and died for souls, for people. I like Jesus and he's my friend, but I don't like people. Wait a minute. That's the only reason you're still here is for souls. There's no other ministry. I have no other message, by the way. There's no other ministry in the church except for reconciliation of souls to God. That's why he gave his most prized possession was so that we would be reconciled to God. That's it. If you're looking for what's going on in life and how do I take care of it and how do I fulfill it, ask God what he's doing with your vessel to reconcile souls because he's got you here right now as a witness. And you can't do it on your own. You have to have his water, his living water. Not your own water pot, Christ. And that's where he's leading us, out of the upper room, through lower Jerusalem, past all the grape arbors, and he gives the dissertation in chapter 15 as he goes out of lower Jerusalem, across the brook Kedron, into the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's going to be met with by Judas and a detachment of troops. He's going to be arrested, beat on, spit, mocked, crucified, and then what? In that garden, that's where it begins. He's going to send back the Spirit so that you and I can be watered. So that the seed that He's planted already, we're going to see that. What is that? Verse 15. Uh, 3. You are already clean because of the word I spoke to you. That's 15.3. He planted a seed, but now it will not grow unless you surrender to the Spirit of God to do the work of God for the glory of God in your life. And the Spirit, listen, He's the executor of the estate. He's handing out the inheritance because Christ has died. One has to die. The testator has to die. And then he hands out the inheritance. And if you try to do it some other way, you know what he says? I love you, but I can't give you the inheritance. I love you if you'll repent and return to me. If you'll repent and stop being apostate, stop chasing everything else, put your water pot back down and become a witness I'll tell you what your gifts and your talents and your abilities are. In fact, you won't even know it. You'll just wake up and you'll be doing it. I told you this, and I like giving testimony that I went to California with my pastor. We're sitting in a gymnasium, and I'm going, this is amazing. Look at all the stuff these people have done. And don't, I'm not talking about the fruit of it. I'm talking about the moment of it when a pastor said, this is what an associate pastor is. This is what an assistant pastor is. And I just started bawling. I had no idea I was an associate pastor. I'd just seen a man that was struggling, and I started taking stuff out of his hands. But every time I'd take something out of his hand, he would add two things to his hands because he was seeing people struggling, and he was trying to help people. He was trying to give himself a way to help other people. And every time I'd take something, he would take on more. And I'm like, dude, you need to stop. My hands are getting full over here. And see, because it's supposed to be raising up other people to follow that example. Other people are supposed to see what you're doing and see the fruit that's growing in your life and say, well, how's that growing? Because he's giving himself away. He's going out to serve others. He's wanting the word of God to get out so souls will be saved. And so I want to get involved in that. I want to get in the water. I want to get washed and cleansed. And I want to learn who this God is that would take the dregs of society and use them for his glory and confound the wise. That's what we want. We don't want the glory. We don't want a name. We have the name above every name that one day every knee will bow to the praise of his glory. 
He's the one that was perfect and came and became lower than the lowest servant and washed dirty feet of his, of his creation. So here when this woman, this Samaritan, who was the dreg of society, uh, chapter 4 of John, verse 28, the woman left her water pot. Why? Because he said, I am the Messiah. She heard the voice of the King of Kings, the Savior of the world that she knew was coming. And she had everything she needed. And she went and became a witness. I'll get to a point here. And what did she tell them? I'm saved now. Give me your money. I'm saved now. Come to my church. I'm saved now. I know everything. What did she say? Look, she said, come. See a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Listen. She said, I'm lifting him up. Come and, get, come and see who this guy is. Not Harvest Chapel. Not some country, not some man other than Jesus Christ. If, you, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself, Jesus said. Then they went out of the city and came to him. They listened because the Spirit of God was moving in Samaria. Why? Because Jesus said, I must go to Samaria. He knew that there was a harvest field, ripe, ready to be the fruit gathered in and people to come to salvation. So he went there and he spoke truth and they believed it and they came. That's why I say don't spend no money advertising dollars trying to get people into a church. Why in the world would you want a bunch of goats up in a church? You know, it's, it's sad. People come and they go, man, there's only like 10 people there. I'm like, praise the Lord. Maybe they really want to hear the word of God. I don't want 200 people that don't want to hear the word of God and they want to go live in the world and act like they're Christians and drive a pastor crazy. That was a fleshly statement, but it's true. I call them psycho sheep. Listen, God wants a personal love relationship with you. This is just an equipping station to go out and walk with God in the garden and to grow fruit worthy of repentance and fruit that will remain and fruit that you know is good because you're walking beside your husband. He's with you every day in the spirit. And he's either saying, oh, don't do that. Please, I love you. Don't do that. Or he's saying, go, go, come on. And he wipes some more grace on you. And he's like, get out there. Get out there. Tell him again. Tell him again. Back off. They're gnawing at your, they're, they're gnashing their teeth at you. Back off a bit. I had a couple of people do that to me Friday. I was like, oh, I feel so bad for you. So I said, I still love you. And I gave him my card. And I said, I still love you. I'll pray for you. They were, they were hater, haters of God. It's everywhere. I mean, think about it. When you mention Jesus and people, all they want to do is get mad and tell you every reason why they don't believe in Jesus. Because they hate God. Why is it you could mention some other, you could mention Allah, you could mention uh, uh, any, other, any other false God. You could mention any other false system any other lie that the devil has planted from the synagogues of Satan, and they would be okay with it. But when you mention Jesus, they've already got a whole can of stuff they want to say to you about why it's bad. Because they hate God. 
They don't want to hear. But here was a lady that was looking for God. She knew who she was. She knew she was broken down. She knew that she'd been married five times. She knew she was unhappy. She knew that there had to be something different. And the answer came and said, I am he. I better keep moving. We're never going to get to our text. But it's good stuff. It blows me away that God would speak to us and then through us and send us out to be witnesses if we'll let him. So have you ever told anybody, come and see a man who told me all things I ever did? Have you ever told anybody, come to Jesus? In fact, that word's an amazing word. It means come and go. It means it's both. Because if you come to Jesus, he's going to tell you to go and make disciples. You can't come to Jesus and not bear fruit. So when you look around the church and you guys get, and people get mad at me about this stuff, but listen, kind breeds kind. And if you're living in the world and for the world and following a false system, all you're going to look like is the world. Oh, you can go to church all you want. You're still going to look like the world. You're going to talk like the world. You're going to act like the world. You're going to be like the world. And when somebody starts talking about Jesus, you're going to walk away because you can't talk about Jesus. You can smile and do some pleasantries, but kind breeds kind. And if you're spending time with your husband, you know what? When my wife and we would talk and, and somebody would start talking about me, you think my wife would walk away? Like, we're going to talk about Greg. Let me walk away. She's going to make sure you're not insulting me. She's going to make sure you're not talking bad about me. She's going to stand there and promote me. She's going to want to talk about me. And that's the way marriage works. If somebody starts talking about my wife, I was sharing with Michael. His dad gets up and says, thank you for raising my family. Instantly, I was like, yeah, but wait a minute. That's my family. My, 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 my flesh and my spirit were arguing with each other at that very moment. Even though I was being praised for doing something that was good, I was mad because of the words. And I wanted to defend my wife when he began to say, that's not the woman I knew. But the defense was not needed because Christ is my defender. And the truth is, it was the best testimony that was given the entire day that her life had changed because of Christ. Is there fruit in your life? That was the question. What fruit are you growing? Because if we are living a life for Christ, kind produces kind, and you're spending time with your husband in Christ, then you're going to become like him just quite naturally. It's impossible not to. God is not weak and anemic. God is not some, some God that can't do what he said he's going to do. He said, I'll complete the work I started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to complete it. Faithful is he who called you and he will also do it. You don't have to do anything except abide in the vine. But if you're doing everything else, you reap what you sow. You're going to look like what you're sowing. You're going to look like who you're hanging with. Remember Naboth, let's go back. Let's go back. He's right next to Ahab and Jezebel. He's planted there. His name means fruit. He's a Jezreelite. It means what God has sown. And what does he say to, to Ahab when he says, let me have your garden and I'll give you a better one. I'll buy it from you. He says, you can't take the inheritance of God from me. So what did they have to do? They had to trick him, and they, they call a festival, and they make him the honor, the man of honor at the festival. And while he's sitting there in honor, they have liars lie against him, and then they take him out and kill him. 
That's what the world wants to do to you. That's how they're going to steal your inheritance. They want to promote you in the world and then destroy you in death culture. I know they're calling it cancel culture. It's death culture. It's the death of the work of God, the salvation of God, the fruit of God, and you lose your inheritance and then you blame God. Greatest, greatest tool that the devil has when you don't know your identity. You don't know what's going on. You don't know your husband and that he's always for you. He's never against you. He's always trying to grow fruit in your life and you're your own worst enemy, Greg. People in Texas. That's why we look in the mirror and we say, no, no, no. And then, we, then what we do, we follow an apostate culture that blames it on the devil. We follow an apostate culture that blames it on somebody else. We're victims. We're victims. We're victims. No, it's your choice. Do you want to grow fruit and stay in the garden and walk in the Holy Spirit? Or do you want to go out and choose all of these other things that are all around the garden? Because God separated you. He's, he's sanctified you. He's pulled you aside. You, you, you can't, get, uh, just like with Goshen, it's all the way through the Bible. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. God just repeats himself over and over with different witnesses that say it a different way. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts. They say it the same thing a different way. He does it all the way through the Bible. Goshen, when he took the children of Israel down into Egypt because of their, uh, well, their dad, Jacob, a deceiver, supplanter, didn't know what he was doing. Anyway, they put him in Goshen. You know what Goshen is? It's right next to the Pharaoh. It means drawing near. So they were separated, but they were supposed to be drawing near to God. But they were right there in the world, but not of the world. It's all the way through the Bible. Where are you living at? Can you go into the world and not become part of the world? Not without the Holy Spirit. In fact, you'll become bitter. You'll become angry. You'll become frustrated. You won't feel comfortable at home anywhere. But God has given you a house. But you won't be comfortable anywhere because you're trying to live in both worlds instead of just living in the spirit realm. Just looking to bear fruit. Just looking to tell others in this grand courtroom about Jesus so that their conscience will be pricked and they can make their own decision whether they want to believe in Jesus or not whether they want to come to salvation or not, whether they want to bear fruit or not. Many people bear fruit, and it's fruit for themselves. You can read about the nation of Israel that did that in Hosea chapter 10. Everything that they did was for themselves. What happened? Apostasy. You can read about it in Ezekiel 17. Same thing happened. Northern tribes, southern tribes. And, and it's really interesting. I don't know if you guys ever, you guys ever read Ezekiel 17. It talks about this eagle. And that eagle was Assyria and Babylon and the world government. That eagle represented the, the, the uh, uh, one world government that came down and swooped down on them. I, just saying. I didn't see any eagles in this country. But I was just saying. That was facetious. Listen. Listen. You're not getting out alive unless you get out by following the Holy Spirit. And that's by grace through faith. It's not of yourself. It's, not, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What kind of fruit are you growing in your life today? What are you pursuing? Well, I got to work. I can't pay the bills. Really? Is that, that's flesh. It's not spirit. 
You can say, I get to work so that I can go out in the mission field and God will take care of all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I've never seen the righteous out forsaken or begging bread. Not the true righteous. I see a whole bunch of people that beg and act like they're righteous, but they're not living for God. Sorry. Sorry, I'm just telling the truth. My God provides for all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And if your need is that you need to be homeless, maybe it's time to be homeless. I don't want to fix that for you. I don't want to take a worldly program and put a pillow underneath your head and you never come to Jesus. Be very careful with these programs in the world. Be very careful. It's dangerous. Very dangerous to get in the way of what God is doing. So, are you guys still here? You guys are awful quiet. This woman, she left her water pot. Have you left your water pot? Where was your power coming from? Where was your strength coming from? Was it your career? Was it your, your education? Was it your, your, your muscles? Was it your credit card? Was it your bank account? Where, where is your, where's, your, where's your water pot at? Where's your strength coming from? Mine, I want to come from the Holy Spirit, from the Lord, as he leads me. So she goes in and she witnesses to these men. Come and see, verse 29, 429. A man who told me all things, don't need a calculator, that I ever did. Could this be the Christ, the Mashiach of God? Then they went out of the city and came to him. That's all we're called to do, guys, is go witness and if people come, it's up to them. It's their free will choice. You don't have to build a church. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Anybody eating that food? To do the will of God? To be in the word of God? You ever, been, you ever been doing the work of God and, you, and, and people say, hey, here we got some sandwiches. You're not hungry. You're not, you're, listen, when you're living in the spirit, you're not allowing the appetites of the flesh to dominate you. See, that's what's wrong in the church today. It's the appetites of the flesh dominating. That's why we should practice fasting. Fasting is not for God. Fasting is for you to say no to the flesh. You're not changing God's will. God is still doing what he's always going to do. But when you fast, you tell your flesh, you are not the boss of me. Jesus is. You are not the head of me. Jesus is. You're telling your flesh that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God, I need to know what word's coming out of your mouth about this situation. So I'm going to say no to my flesh that keeps getting in the way and thinks it needs to be fed three times a day. And gets into that crazy habit of the heart that I have to eat this, I have to eat that. See, all the marketers know that. That's why they put the certain ingredients in there. That's why they do the things that they do. They know the flesh way better than you know it. And we should know the flesh. We should know the flesh because we walk in the spirit. We should recognize the filthy, unfruitful deeds of the flesh. And we should see them coming and we should take their feet out and punch them right in the face and put them in the grave and say, stay in the grave. You're crucified with Christ. You do not rule this. Christ does. 
That's easy to talk about. I'm just, I'm just being facetious a little bit here. But you want to stay in the grave. You get out of the grave and you're allowing the enemy to steal your inheritance. Wow, yeah, I do have a good vineyard here. Maybe I should write a book. Maybe I should charge money to speak. Maybe we should monetize our websites. Maybe we should try to get some of the glory of this graveyard. You want the glory of a graveyard? I've been hanging out in the graveyard. I'm going to go stand in the graveyard. Somebody go stand in the graveyard and sell lemonade. Hang out. See how much money you're going to make with dead people. See how good it's going to do your soul. Satisfying dead people. God's a God of the living, not of the dead. This is a graveyard, and he told us to come forth. When he spoke to Lazarus, he said, come forth. Lazarus had a choice. What choice are you making? Are you making it for fleshly reasons? Are you making it so that you'll look important? Are you making it to lift up Jesus? Listen, he can only grow fruit out of you staying low to the ground. Comes right up out of the garden as he turns the soil over with what you're going through. And you cry out. And then you spring forth with fruit. And he says, look at this. And then people can come and see that Jesus, you give him the glory for the fruit. It's a big garden too. You see all the analogies and the metaphors and every one of them teach the same thing. Every one of them say the same thing. Every one of them points to the same place. And it's not pointing to us. It's pointing to Jesus. It's not about us. And you go look at the church today. Everything's about self, 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 self. I, 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 I. Greek is ego, ease God out. But the church thinks they're grooving with God and they're walking with the devil. I'm serious. We need to be very careful. We've been handed an apostate church. Listen, the church didn't go apostate. It's been apostate. But there's an invisible church that's walking with Jesus. Living for Jesus. Listening to Jesus. Bearing fruit worthy of repentance. But you know what we want to do, don't you? We want to look like these people over here. We want a king. That's what they did. They said, and, and, and Samuel said, this is ridiculous. And that's what I would say too. Bunch of knuck-knucks. And, and, and Samuel said it. And then he goes, Samuel, Samuel, calm down. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. You just represent me. They're rejecting God. They hate God. So I get heated. I get into heated arguments with people when they start, they don't want to re receive Jesus. But that's flesh. Because the Lord's bomb person is not quarrelsome. But I get mad. If you don't want to, you don't want to listen to what I'm saying? I'm telling this to you perfectly and you're not listening. That's flesh. I used to do it on a rise. If somebody would stole you off this roof right now and you died, where would you go? And I'm like, that's so crazy. Think about that. That was 23 years ago. Think about what the person was thinking. This nut is going to throw me off the roof. I never thought of it that way. I just thought I was using some great analogy to make them think about the eternity. We had a guy come in our house from uh, whatever them people are that go around legislating to lower utilities. And I get, I'm talking to him and I give him a, we give him a nice glass of tea and I told him, there could be poison in that glass. My wife's like, you are so stupid. Why are you scared that guy like that for? He's like, I said, there could be poison in that tea. Where would you live tonight? Or where would you go tonight? 
We scare people into, we can scare them into the kingdom of God. All right, so what happened with the woman? Let's look. They went into the city. They, they came out. In the meantime, his disciples are trying to get him to eat some food. He's like, listen, I don't need any food. I'm doing the work of God. I'm walking in the Spirit. Jesus said to them, my food, verse 34, is to do the will of him who sent me. Is he our example? Is he our plumb line? And the will's a written document. And because the testator died, now the will of God is inactive where the Holy Spirit can lead us to do the same thing. And to finish his work. Are we looking to finish that work? Because that's why he left us here was to finish his work. Oh, no, it was finished on the cross to tell us I paid in full. But now we're witnessing until the end of the age, until Christ comes to get us. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. Anybody been lifting up their eyes and looking? No, listen, listen, listen. You know what we do is we lift up our eyes and we look and we go, look at them heathens. We look and we go, what in the world is up with the LGBTQ? We look and we go, you bunch of sinners. We're Christians. Instead of realizing what God did when he seen everybody was lost and he died and came down and said, I am the salvation. We look down our nose at him and we don't go to him. We, we, we become like the same people we're talking about. Judgmental. Listen, the reason God shows us the fields that are white for harvest and the laborers are few is so we'll go into his labor, go into his work. He's already finished it. But if we think we're too good for all of those people, I'm not going to rub elbows with them. I remember my wife's grandparents. I told them I was in prison and I was an alcoholic. Oh, no, you weren't. And they literally said they quit going to church because... They were letting the alcoholics and the drunks in. And we don't want to be around those kind of people. Literally said that. Me and my wife was like. And it, and it wasn't a good thing because he was in the hospital bed dying. And we're like, oh my goodness. What do you say to somebody that's like that? Who once played Christian music and was once on the radio. And is a nice person to his own family. But to people that are lost and going to hell. See, that's what the Pharisees were here. They would go around Samaria. This is why Jesus come down. Judas was still doing the same thing. He was listening to the world. He was listening to the false system. Judas was in the upper room. He was there. He could have bore fruit. And he goes out and it's dark. Because he still had his own plans and he still was caught up in the system and still chasing the physical in the world. And he took 30 pieces of silver instead of salvation. Building materials in heaven. We better get going. Uh, 36. And he who reaps receives wages. And gathers fruit. That's the only reason I'm here is just for that one word, fruit, right there. Gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying is true. One sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. 
What labors are you doing? What fruit are you bearing? Where are you living at today, saint? If you believe in Jesus, are you becoming that kind of a person? So they mocked him in Antioch. They called them Christians. They mocked them. I, I hear Christians saying, I don't want to be called a Christian. That's become costume jewelry. It was supposed to be a mocking, but it was revealing the evidence of the people who were becoming like Christ. So it's not an insult to be called a Christian. It means Christ-like because they were doing the same thing Jesus did. They laid down their life. They were telling people about the kingdom of God. They, again, like I said last week, it wasn't, there's nothing wrong with handing out a Bible. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's a witness in the marketplace. Where did she go? Where did they all go? How did it get to us before the printing press was ever made? How did God even create the heavens and the earth? It was spoken. He didn't write a book and tell you about it until later. This is the evidence so that we don't get off course. I'm not telling you to jettison the Bible. We now have this made perfect. The, the, the prophets, it's made clear. But all the people in the Bible, they were, they were coming to salvation through hearing God's voice. They were following God. Abraham, our father, followed God without a book that told him what to do. But now we can actually see what God is doing, the testimony of God. But, but what we do is we need to become fruit inspectors. No, 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 don't, don't inspect my fruit. Inspect your own fruit. Because if you die today and there's no fruit of righteousness, there's no fruit that you're becoming a kind, how do you know you have salvation? Test yourself to see if you're even in the faith. This is serious stuff, guys. We're coming to the very end of the age. Never has there been a time where so much is going on that you can see we are at the end of the age. If you do not think that you could see the rapture of the church, that you could see the coming of the Lord Jesus right now at any moment, then you really need to check yourself, test yourself. You need to wake up. Rise from the dead and Christ will give you light and see that you walk circumspectly. Isn't that a neat, neat word, circumspectly? as diligently, as, as clearly as you can. But it comes from circumcise. What's circumcised? Circumspectly, it's cutting away the excess flesh. What is circumcision of the heart? It's cutting away the flesh of the heart. What is walking circumspectly? I don't want that in my life. I don't want to be a part of that. That is tearing up and putting rocks and stone in my heart so that the word of God is not going down and growing fruit. The enemy comes and he throws those rocks. That's what they would do when they would defeat countries. They would throw rocks in the field and put all kinds of other things in there. So there's these false rocks instead of the rock of Christ in your life. Where's the fruit of righteousness growing? I'm not saying we're supposed to be perfected. We're being perfected. But is there places in your life? Now, here's the, here's the guard. Guard your heart. For out of it flow all the issues of life. That is the garden. That is the soil. Because then you go, yeah, there is fruit there, isn't it? I'm growing pretty good. Yeah, look at me. No, 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 no. Stay in the middle. Understand where it comes from. Stay low so you can keep bearing fruit. We're going to see it here in a minute as he prunes the vine. 
John 15, go back there, please. All the way through the Bible. Genesis 1, Revelation 22, fruit. Genesis 22, what is it? There's 12 trees that bear their fruit in season. The trees with fruit on them. Kind versus kind. Flesh first. We're going to bear the image of the earthly man. Then we will bear the image of the heavenly man. Are you bearing the image of the heavenly man? Or, or is your fruit being spoiled? Is it, we were just talking about it. What, what is it? Uh, Colossians 2, 8, our memory verse. Anybody got it memorized yet? Beware. It's a warning sign. Beware. Lest anyone spoil you. Through philosophy. That's man sciences. Earthly, central, demonic sciences. Philosophy. Pseudo wisdom. Philosophy. Empty deceit. That's just plain lying. According to the traditions of man, let's just go. This is what our church has always done. This is traditional. According to the basic principles of this life, elementary principles. See, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be betrayed by elementary principles. Then let the enemy steal and spoil us and take our fruit, like Ahab and Jezebel did to Naboth. I mean, think Ahab. Think about this. This is what Ahab did. He went home and went to bed and cried. Like a big old baby. And his wife comes in and says, what is wrong with you? Uh, he won't tell me his deal. I'll take care of it. She went and wrote some false letters and set up a false stain, the whole false system, and killed him. Let me ask you, is there fruit growing in your garden? Is there fruit of righteousness growing in your heart? Or did somebody write you some false letters and you believe some false commentary about the Bible, and you lost your inheritance, and you don't even know it. You're self-deceived. Be a doer of the word, and not a hearer only, deceiving yourself. Now, you're not deceiving anybody else. Be a fruit inspector today, please. And let, examine your life and say, Lord, since I met you, who have I been living for? Which vine am I attached to? That wild olive tree that bears rebellious fruit? That's what they're stirring everybody up. Look at the rebellious Christians in the street fighting over a country. Look at the rebellious Christians in the street fighting over race and creed and things that have nothing to do with the salvation of souls. While the world tells us everything that actually is true in the spiritual realm, but it's not true in the physical realm. And they're trying to make a physical religious program fit and it causes great division. But if you listen to the Spirit, it brings unity. Where everybody becomes one under Christ in the same body. And they begin to listen and move in the same direction to save souls. But out there all it produces is chaos, riots, and death. Unity in the Spirit. I get excited up here. Did I pray yet? I didn't pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you want to speak to us and through us as witnesses in your grand courtroom and then leave others to decide. Lord, we pray that they would choose you. We pray that they would come to know your son Jesus and be sanctified and cleansed with the washing of the water through the word. And they would put down their water pots and they would allow your water to flow through them and gush out on others so that others could come to life. 
Wake us up, Lord, that we would walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Lord, help us to find out what your will is, your written document that's now available to us because of your son Jesus dying and yea, raising again. Fill us full of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So with that background and that, oh, that was just introduction, guys. Sorry. We're here to study the Word of God. We're here to be equipped to go back out. And I don't think that's a simple thing because how many times do we go get a job and we go through orientation, we go through training, and they pay for our college education to become a better whatever it is, and we think we're going to go to heaven and we won't even study the Word of God. Yes, it's a free gift, and that free gift comes with an instructor, and that free gift gives you instructions to go out, and there's fruit that comes because of it, and you become like that God who died. And it starts with death, because unless a seed falls into the ground, into the garden, and dies, it cannot grow up any fruit out of it. But you got to let him lift you up, and when you die, humble yourself, get low, he'll lift you up what he does can't stop him from doing it sad part is is you have people like jeremiah jeremiah preached for 40 years guess what never had one convert never had one person believe him interesting huh wait a minute i thought jeremiah was a great prophet he wrote lamentations too he was crying because nobody would listen the same reason jesus wept in john 11 Jesus didn't weep because of Lazarus dying. Can't stand it when preachers say that. Oh, he's, he's right there acquainted with your grief. Of course he's acquainted with your grief. He knows everything. But he was crying because they wouldn't listen to the living word standing in front of him. He knew what he was going to do with Lazarus. He was crying because they would not receive spiritual truth, not because of the physical he was crying because of this spiritual life. But yet we go to churches, we live in churches, we live in this world, and people talk about the physical part of this Bible, and they leave the Spirit out. And then we go, oh, there's going to be a church with a, a form of godliness that doesn't have any power. No, it's already here. It's us if we're not walking according to the Spirit. Sorry if I get excited. So, John 15, 1, I am the true vine. Why is he saying that? I'm the genuine vine. Because Israel was supposed to be the vineyard, and they came forth with wild grapes. They were rebellious. They wouldn't listen. They designed their own system. What does Jesus do? He comes, and he declares the kingdom of God perfectly, exactly as the Father told him to do. He obeyed perfectly. That's why you and I have salvation, because he did it perfectly. He did it perfectly. Word for word, line for line, precept upon precept, every bit of it. So he is the truth incarnate, what God said, what God knew, everything about the heart of God, the genuine vine. Israel's not. And yet the church follows what Israel did into apostasy, making up their own system, making up their own buildings, making up their own laws, making up their own dress codes. We follow and become the false vine. And he wants us to follow him right out of the upper room and into the garden so that we can receive the Holy Spirit and trust him. But you have to go through some stuff. 
Them boys scattered. Them boys scattered. They fled from that garden. Isn't that crazy? Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. But he's alive. He's here right now. You don't have to scatter. You don't have to be afraid. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7. Is that right? 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy? I get confused sometimes. I wish they'd just have one Timothy. How come they got to have two Timothys? They're all in alphabetic order. I remember that. Somebody taught me that years ago. The true vine and his father is the husbandman. I like, I like it better with the King James. Husbandman. Right? Doesn't that sound better? The husbandman? The vine dresser? You can say it kind of really quick. Divine dresser, and he's divine dressing us. He's addressing us divinely. Never mind. Divine. I'm weird. My brain's weird like that. I look at stuff and hear stuff. and How's your vine? Oh, you're not the vine, are you? You're the branches. Let's watch. Every branch in me, verse 2, are you in Christ? It's an amazing word here. I should probably stop and just do some of this. Let's look at some of this and what's going on. Every branch, husbandman is Girigos. It's a land worker. It's a farmer. It's one who tills the soil. No one comes to the Father except to the Son. And no one can come to the Son unless what? The Father draws them. The Father has to till the soil and prepare it. Then the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin and righteousness and judgment. We're going to get to that in chapter 16. And then you make a choice to come to Christ. The Holy Spirit is doing the work. The Father is the one turning the soil over of the hard heart because you're mad about life. And I was born like that and I was raised like that. And it's that woman you gave me. But the Father is preparing the soil. And then Jesus is the word that's planted in. The Holy Spirit waters it. Oh, it's amazing stuff. What, a, what an amazing analogy. You know, in Lower Jerusalem, I'm told, listen, you don't have to repeat this. I'm going to throw it out. If you don't like it, you throw it out. Okay? I don't know. I wasn't in Jerusalem. I didn't see it done. I'm just telling you what I read somewhere. In Lower Jerusalem and in Grape Arbors, in these areas where the sand is on the ground, if the grape is low-hanging fruit and it touches the sand, it gets, it, it gets a, a virus-type thing on it. Uh, it, it gets a, some type of a, a bacteria, and it begins to eat away at the fruit, right? So the vine dressers, those that are coming along, they come along, and they lift them up, and they wipe them off, and then they grab a rock from over here, and they slide it underneath that cluster, and then they set it back down in the sand so that the sand can't touch it. And then their feet are, the fruit is up on a rock, and then they move to the next one. They move to the next one, and they clean them that way so they can keep producing more fruit. I'm just telling you what I read. I don't know that to be true. Never seen it, never done it. If you go to my house, I got six grape, uh, grape vines, and uh, they look real bad. I'm not a good pruner. I run over them with a lawnmower every day, every time. I ate a couple of them. They tasted pretty good. My wife made jam out of them. It was good, but I'm not good at pruning. I'm good at yelling, being loud. 
I'd like to be a better pruner. Um, every branch in me. Are you in Christ? Now, what does me mean? It means what I possess, what I own, what I have. The first usage is over in Matthew 10. Let's look at that. Matthew 10. I think it's important. I'm not looking for getting through a bunch of content, but understanding that it's really the Spirit teaching. It's the Spirit that's calling. It's the Spirit that wants to bear fruit in your life. And you need to have your own personal relationship in the Word with God and a daily walk. So that you can go out and tell others what the Holy Spirit is teaching you. And it's actually the first usage for um, me is in 1032. And it's very interesting because I, I start chasing this stuff and I could end up back in Genesis. Therefore, whoever confesses me, there it is, confesses Christ before man, now listen, the word confess means profess. It means declaring him. It means that there's fruit. It means that there's words. It means that you're talking about your husbandman. Listen, you're promoting him. You're lifting him up because he's leading you out of death into life. He's given you life by marriage. Shouldn't we promote him? Shouldn't we declare him? Confess means to profess. I'll show you in a minute. It can be actually translated declare if you confess, profess, declare me before men, him I will also confess, profess, declare before my Father who is in heaven. Listen, no one comes to the Father except through the Son. But whoever denies me, rejects me, refuses me, contradicts me with their lifestyle before men him i will also deny before my father who is in heaven and then he says this thing that we see going on in the world do not think that i came to bring peace i did not come to bring peace but a sword listen to me listen to me the world is coming into a convergence the world is teaching peace the world wants you to to, to have tolerance for everybody and let's all live in peace jesus doesn't want that jesus came to bring a sword the word of god he came to divide because truth divides. We can both be wrong, but we can't both be right. And when you profess Jesus, it divides the sheep and the goat. It does the harvest for you. It declares where they're at. It declares what they're doing. It divides the two, just like the word does. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, and the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what it does just naturally. That's why it's the word that has to go out, not a church. It's the word that has to go out, not a program. It's the word of God in the name of Jesus that has to go out, or it doesn't divide anything. It lets a person remain in their complacency. It lets them remain in their worldly condition. It lets them remain in their self and their pomp and their sin and in their death that they were born in. We don't want them to stay dead. We want them to come alive. We don't want their inheritance stolen. We want them to come into their identity and see their inheritance and go out in power to tell other people because they're a child of the king. They're royalty. What more could we want? What more can we want? A privileged... See, that's what we said around the world. Said, I wasn't born with no silver spoon in my mouth. I'm a victim here. Think about it. 
Yeah, but you was raised in the right way. Yeah, think about it. I'm glad. Listen, after coming to Jesus, I'm glad I was raised by a single mom with six kids. I'm glad I was in prison because if I would have joined their system like they kept trying to get me to do and even throwing me in prison, I said, okay, I better get educated so I can join their system. What books did I miss? What did I miss in school? Let me go fill myself full of them. Only to come to Jesus and go, whoa, get away from me, them. You from the devil. I want Jesus. You can't eat the world and plant the world and sow the world and live in the world and be anything but the kind of the world. And that's death. It's a graveyard. And Jesus says, come out. Lazarus, right? Whom God helps? Lazarus. One who comes alongside to help? Lazarus. Remember Mary means their rebellion. Martha, she was rebellious. Lazarus, whom God has helped. Come out of the grave. Quit living in the world. No one entangles himself with the or excuse me no one entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he might excuse me no one called to be a soldier entangles himself if i got it wrong still no one who warreth i got it no one who warreth king james no one who warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he might please him who called him to be a soldier do you know how hard that is think about it but wait a minute greg the bible says if i don't take care of my family i'm worse than an infidel so I got to go get a job and I got to go get entangled and I got to go do and I got to go be. No. No, you can go get a job and work and know that God pays you. You can go get a job and take care of your family, but that your family doesn't need the money. Your family needs Jesus. It's your wife that needs Jesus. If the money comes and you pay for the bills, it's great. If you live in a tent and they got Jesus, they're better. Abraham lived in a tent and he has thousands and thousands. You can't even count his children because that fruit's more important than the money. Yeah, but you get places when you got money. No, you don't. You stay places when you get money. Now you're babysitting your money. Now you're still in the grave. Doesn't mean you can't have money and go to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. But when money owns you, and that's the only thing your heart is laboring for. We need to labor for the fruit of righteousness. Labor to enter into his rest and cease from our works. What kind of fruit are you growing down here? Okay, let's look. So he, he came to bring a sword to divide the sheep and the goats, to divide the bone and the marrow. But listen, listen I, I actually said, well, wait a minute. Well, where does that first usage come from? And it comes from Matthew 7. You back up a couple pages. When Jesus said to them, be away from me, I never knew you. Confess me. I'm on the word confess now. I was chasing this, so I just thought I'd give it to you guys. You might not like it. You might want to throw it out. But when they were building on the sand, when they and these are people that, it's, um, I'm in chapter 6. You need to be in chapter 7, right? 7.21. I mean, this should, this should really make you think about your fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. But he who does, he performs it, the will written document of my father in heaven he's the vine dresser the husbandman who sent his son 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Notice they're doing work. They're doing lots of stuff. It looks like they're prophesying. They thought they were prophesying in his name. They thought they were doing wonders in his name, but they weren't. And he says to them in 723, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The word declare there is the word profess, confess. He will profess to them. He's saying to them that he never gnoskos them. He never had intimacy with them. They were never doing what they did because of his spirit. They were doing it because of some culturanity and something that somebody else was doing so that they can. And, and you, it, there's a delicate balance. Believe me, people. There's a very delicate balance between promoting Jesus and promoting yourself. And then when you steal his glory, he leaves the room. You always want to point back that you're just part of the body using your gift and the Spirit of God is the one doing the work. It doesn't matter what it is. And you start big old earthly worldly ministries. I, I question it. You guys can question it. Why are some of these people on TV still and have millions of followers if they're really teaching the truth? I'm not picking on anybody. Don't get mad at me. I don't take emails. If AI is dominating us, and it is. It's the unholy spirit. It's tracking everything you do. I asked Siri a question a couple days ago, and she said, are we going to do this woodchuck thing again? I haven't talked to her about woodchucks in months. But she remembers that I said, how much wood would a woodchuck chuckle, woodchuck could chuckle wood? She remembers it. She knows it. She knows every place I've ever been, everything I've ever said to her. In a physical sense. Because you know where the word A means no. So she has no intelligence. So I start talking to her. She, I, I, and I, I shouldn't do it because I, I'm, I, and then she makes my phone quit working. I'm like, you're a demon. I'm like, you're a demon. You're nothing but a demon. You're, the, you're, you're a prince of demons. Tell me how good Jesus Christ is if you're not a demon. And so she does. I, I don't understand. I'm like, I know you don't understand because you're a demon and you can only say what your program. I'm sorry, I shouldn't even put this in a sermon, but I like to have fun. So I'm having fun. The guy rolling in the truck next to me, he's freaking out on me. <laughs> Why would she remember that I asked her how, many, how much would a woodchuck would chuck? <laughs> and then declare it to me. That's pretty crazy. But they're tracking you. Have fun with it. I have fun with them. I don't care. We've got cameras in our trucks. I preach to the cameras. So if they watch the video, I, they get preaching. That's what we're supposed to be doing, witnessing. There he goes. i got to calm down and get back to this text. Where are we at? So listen to me. Listen to me. This is vitally important. You can look like you have fruit. You can have people in your life that's going, attaboy, get going. We give you a degree. You're great. You're magnificent. I can't believe you know so much knowledge about the Bible. And you're really getting it, ain't you? You're taking care of them. And not even have the Spirit of God. Not know Jesus. Jesus says, be away from me. I never knew you. You were practicing something else. So shouldn't we find out today what kind of fruit we're bearing? Shouldn't we find out today if we're attached to the vine? 
Shouldn't we want to know that before we stop this heart physical from breathing? Are we letting him turn over the soil in our spiritual heart and grow fruit that looks like Jesus? Listen, all he's concerned about is souls. He's not concerned about anything else. He's not even concerned about the false teachers. He knows where they're at. He's not even concerned about those that are, that are, he's already died for them. He died for all of them. It was their choice. Nobody's going to hell. Nobody's going to hear, be away from me. I never knew you that did not choose to stay where they were. They willfully denied the truth, Romans 1. They willfully did what they did. It was, a, it was their will instead of following his will. Not my will, but thy will be done. There was no surrender because they wanted to build their own kingdom, their own pride, their own pomp, their own prestige. It's not about us. Listen, it's not about us. It's about God. Are you bearing fruit? Christ is actually called fruit in Acts 2.30. Fruit of the womb, fruit from David's lineage. And then you can have fruit of people. Paul wrote in Romans 1.13 that he wanted to have some fruit in their lives. Now listen to me. He's writing Christians and he wants to have fruit in their life. What does that mean? It means he wants to sow into their life. He wants to encourage them and help them to grow and to move forward and to always be on the grow. Because we are fruit bearers if we are attached to the vine. There's nothing else we can do. You're not going to be perfect. You're blameless. You're not sinless. And you can keep growing if you allow the Holy Spirit to water you. But you have to get into the word prayer and fellowship. Prayer is the most important thing. And you know what? It's the number one disregarded thing in the kingdom of God fellowship is the other one i know many people that say i read the word of god or they read their daily devotional from somebody that regurgitated it and vomited it and wrote it on a piece of paper instead of the bible the living word of god where you spend time with your husbandman listen to me but prayer is the number one thing and jesus said my house shall be a house of prayer it is so hard i had somebody tell me it's so hard to sit down and read for five minutes i said just do five minutes that's it and then you'll get a taste for it. And then you'll desire more. Then you'll draw near more and more and more. But it's the same thing with prayer. Oh, man, I got too much stuff to do. Get up an hour early. It's for your soul. It's for eternity. We can't, get up, we can't go to bed an hour earlier and get up an hour earlier to meet with the king. Serious. Because see, prayer is a place where you surrender, where you get real low. And you say, Lord, I can't fix these people. I can't fix that. I can't do that. I can't get this. I don't even understand this. Lord, why would you even care about waking me up early and making me pray? Listen, you get before him and you're dependent upon him. And you learn to be dependent upon him and you'll go out dependent upon him. Because you'll see him move mountains in your life. professing, confessing. I know we ask people, do you know Jesus? Don't forget the follow-up comment. Does he know you? The most important question is not, do you know Jesus? 
the most important is, does he know you? Everybody thinks they know Jesus. But does he know you? Because there's going to be people that he says, be away from me. I never knew you. We were never married. We never had a covenant. We never had a contract. Because you never surrendered and became my bride. We used to always say, you can't backslide. You've never front slided. You got to front slide before you can backslide. If it's possible. I just say it's the walk of God. It's the man of God. It's our relationship with God. So the true vine says every branch in me. We're just getting to the word me, okay? We're doing this a little slow today. That does not bear fruit. You listen to me. That means that fruit is expected, right? Every branch in me that says there in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The NIV says he lifts up. He lifts up. That would be grace, wouldn't it? That would be grace. Just like the cherubim, he put at the door of the garden. And he says, don't come back in here because if you eat of the tree of life in this condition, you're going to be in bad shape for eternity. That would be grace, wouldn't it? Just like he confused the languages at the Tower of Babel so that they wouldn't kill themselves. He confused their languages and made them start over like he did with, the, uh, with Noah who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. His name means grace. He started a new beginning. Listen to me. Lifting somebody up, them dying because they won't bear fruit is grace of God because he takes them home. That's better than what we're going to see in verse 4. He takes away. He lifts up. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. He purges. Purgeth is in King James. Why would you purge and prune and cut? I'm doing everything you want me to do, Lord, so that you can bear more fruit. We're fruit bearers. Just like a vine has to be tended, and, it, and it's going to grow good fruit. And, it, and if you prune it back and you get rid of what's called sucker branches. You ever heard of that? It's, it's, it's these branches. You ever see them on your trees? Apple trees, or there's a branch that has all these leaves. They look beautiful. It's flowery, but there's absolutely no fruit on that branch. So all of the nutrients from the vine are going into that branch, but there's no fruit. It's called a sucker branch. It just sucks the life out of the other fruit. So you cut that branch off. It's those things that you're doing. I don't know what it is. Your habits, your hobbies, your sins, the places you're going that has nothing to do with life and godliness and winning souls. It's all that stuff you're doing. God comes and he says, I'm going to cut that off. You're bearing fruit, but I need you to keep bearing fruit, to always be on the grow, to become more like Christ. And so he starts to cut off these branches and you go, oh, that hurts. That's painful, and it turns over some moist soil in your heart, so you'll cry out more, and then he can bear more fruit. But the sucker branch has got to go, and it's a lot easier if we judge ourselves and go, you know what? That's a sucker branch right there. I'm not going there. I'm done. I'm cutting that off. I'm done with that. I'm going to order my life aright. I don't have to have God. I just say, Lord, what, what branches you want cut off? Because sometimes it does hurt, but I've never seen a tree jump. Man, I hacked some trees up. My wife's like, why did you do that for? I said, because they hit me in the face when I was mowing. Well, that's not the reason to prune a tree, because they're hitting you in the face when you're mowing. 
You're frustrated with them. You prune a tree because it's bearing fruit and you want it to grow. I'm like, I'm sorry, honey. I, I'm a busy man. I'm in a hurry. The mower goes real fast, but I can't go real fast underneath them trees unless I hack them up. Sorry. That's my life. So God wants you to bear more fruit. Well, I already quit this. I am already doing this. Yeah, but this might not be where he wants you to stop at. See, I was an associate pastor. I, was, I, I did all the administration of the church, and that was the gifting that he used me at that time because that church needed that gifting. But then he moved me on to, to start a church, to grow more fruit. And you know what? That pruning hurt. My wife cried for three months because we were cut away from another vine and moved somewhere else, even though universally we're all part of the same church. It took some adjustments. I used to say I would never drive an hour to go to work. I used to say that. That's stupid. My sister did. I'd say, that's stupid. I'd never drive an hour to go to work. Make your day so long. Never use the words never and always to God. I'm just telling you. Those are God words. My wife said, I'll never live in a trailer again. I was raised in a trailer. And I'm like, so we moved an hour away into a modular. And we lived in a trailer. And I drove to work. And we got pruned. But it bore fruit. It bears fruit. You want to bear fruit. And if you stop bearing fruit, now you got to say, who's spoiling me? How did I get comfortable? See, that's what happened. We, put, we, re, we remodeled the kitchen and put white rocking chairs on the front porch. And God said, get out of here. I'm shaking you out of here. I'm pruning some stuff back. You can't get comfortable and complacent and content with where you're at. Because then here comes Ahab and he steals your inheritance. And then you think you're okay. And he says, I didn't even know you. You have to stay on the vine. You bearing any fruit? Is it fruits of righteousness? Or is it accolades of the world? See, if the world is promoting it in you, you better be careful. They hate God. They hate God. Come on, we're going to train you in this. Come on, we're going to do this with you. Come on, we got a plan for you. They hate God. And if you're living for God and the Spirit of God is in you, you already know that you're looking over top of the physical and you're looking in the spiritual realm. And you can see the thief coming to rob, kill, and destroy. You can see the pitfalls. You can see the enemy. God's allowing you through His Word and through your relationship to see what can't be seen. You can see, you, listen, you can see evil. And that's the absence of God. You can see it in people's lives. You can see it on the job. You can see it everywhere you go. If you're looking for souls and being led by the Spirit, you can see it and turn away from it. You don't have to go there. You don't have to be there. Dangerous middle ground balance. You don't want to get haughty. You don't want to get proud. You don't want to be lazy and slothful. You want to be about the Father's business. Salvation of souls. So, you say, I'm bearing fruit. Don't get complacent. Let him bear more fruit. What's he want to do next? Verse 3, you, have, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. The voice. Spoken. 
You are already clean. I wanted to do a whole bunch of other stuff. Let's do it. We'll just back up. We'll get to verse 3 next week. How about this? Go back again to Numbers 13. I'm sorry. I should probably move on, but I like to do this. Bible sword drills. Did I say Numbers 13? Then why am I in Numbers 23? Thirteen twenty-three. We talked about this last week. I want you to see it again. Fruit. Fruit. Moses sent 12 spies into the land that was promised to them. If you've, if you've been to the throne room, you're going to come back with fruit. Listen, if you're visiting with God, you're coming back with fruit. They went into the promised land. They come into the valley of Eshcol, and they come back, two of them, on, carrying on a stick, a big cluster of grapes, so much fruit that they had to carry it on the shoulders between two of them. And remember, we talked last week, this is the cross. That stick is the cross. The fruit comes out of the cross. And then there's a guy on either side. There's two guys. Now, I believe that's Joshua and Caleb because the other 10 guys came back in unbelief. So I believe, and I'm just throwing it in there, it doesn't have to be, don't get mad at me. I just believe the two that were walking by faith and believed it said, hey, let's take some evidence of fruit back and show them. And the only two that believed was Joshua and Caleb. Joshua, listen, is Yeshua. It's the Lord is salvation. He's an Old Testament type of Christ. So in the front is Christ. And because he died on the cross, there's fruit. And because there's fruit, Caleb, which means dog, he's worshiping. And he's following right behind the Holy Spirit. And this is a path coming out. So I believe this is just my opinion. That Joshua was in front. The fruit was in the middle because of the cross, the stick. And then Caleb was in the back following the fruit. He was following, but they were both presenting it to everybody as what is in the promised land. You don't have to keep walking in this identity of the world. There's such fruit that's there, but we carry it together. Are you with me? That's the cross. Naboth was the cross when they testified and, 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 and took Jesus and, and killed him because of false witnesses. It's a picture of the cross. Everything points to Jesus. Are you following him? Are you bearing fruit? Do you believe the fruit? Do you know that he will bear fruit in your life if you just abide in the vine? That's all you have to do. Come out of the grave and stay attached to the vine. Get into the word, prayer, and fellowship and obey the next right thing to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he will most definitely bear fruit in your life. But you'll want to present it to other people. And then you'll want to give witness. And there's always going to be those that says, we can't go in, there's giants in the land. I remember when we was buying this building. We came over and looked at this building. People that love me said, I don't look like no church. What does the church look like? You're the church. I just want a place to sit and talk about the Bible. That isn't got water running down the walls. And this building was actually built with a church blueprint. So that's what freaked me out so much when people said, and my buddy Neil said, I don't see it, Greg. I'm like, church needs a bathroom and a bunch of floor. Why don't you see it? 
<laughs> That's all we need to be a church. It was funny. Anyway, let's keep moving. Are you following the fruit? Do you have fruit? Are you bearing fruit? Or is your fruit cabinet, your produce barren? There's none on it. Listen, if you're saying no to the Holy Spirit, if you're rejecting the Holy Spirit, if you're grieving the Holy Spirit, or hey, let's just do this. If you're following culturanity out there, this is what church looks like. This is what the music looks like. This is what it looks like. It's stained glass windows. It's raising up men, lifting up men, lifting up program. It's talking about commentaries and what dead men said. If you're following that, you're not going to bear no fruit either. You're going to feel good about yourself because you look like the guy sitting next to you. You're going to the same place to paint the house and to fix the driveway and to do the work of the flesh. But are you attached to the vine where the Spirit is telling you where to go? You're being led around, being taught, being instructed by the voice of God. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Are you visiting the throne room? See, because of Christ, his flesh was rent. It's the veil is rent. His flesh was the veil. Now you can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then you can go back out with that inheritance and tell other people about it. And you're not going to be mad if they don't listen because it's not your job to do anything except to water and sow. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And he who reaps is paid wages. One day we're going to get wages. We get a rule and reign with Christ in the millennial kingdom. But we're not doing it for that. We're doing it because he laid down his life for us, because he first loved us. But we're also, we see so much deception going on. There's so much deception going on where people get mad at you if you talk about the true gospel. It's sad. Jesus said, will I even find faith when I come? We are apostate. Listen to me. We are apostate in the church today. Are you bearing fruit? Do you want to bear more fruit? Or are you satisfied just because you said a prayer? Are you okay where you're at? Or are you still miserable? You pretending? You faking it? You playing? I'm just going to read this text to you. 2 Timothy 2. We were just here the other day. Our verse was 2-4. Let's just start in 2-4. Remind them of these things. This is what Paul is telling Timothy to remind the church in Ephesus of. Listen. Ephesus means permitted. So you have free will. You're permitted to do what you want. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers, but be diligent. This was our memory verse two weeks ago. Be diligent. Somebody can say circumspect if you want. To present declare, confess, profess yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
because he came to bring a sword and to divide it. But shun profane and idle, idle babblings. That's all that's going on in our culture today. For they will increase to, to, to more ungodliness. Listen, what they're sowing out there in the world, what they're trying to get everybody to do and fight and argue about is only going to produce more ungodliness. It's not producing fruit of righteousness. It's not turning churches into to soul winners. It's causing division. But they're preaching love and peace and unity. So shun it. Stay away from it. They're idle babblings, and they increase to more ungodly. 17. And their message will spread like cancer. That's what cancer does. It kills part of the body, and then it kills the rest of it if you don't cut it out. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth. You know that Paul mentions at least four guys in this book. In, in chapter 1 and 2, and people go, don't mention names. You should not mention names. What are you doing talking about Joe Olstein and Kenneth Copeland and all these liars? Listen, I mention names. If they've got some other gospel, I don't mind mentioning names. I don't mind calling Rick Warren out and calling him a heretic. Doesn't bother me a bit. He needs to repent or he's going to go to hell. And if somebody don't tell him and he's got his own little kingdom and everybody's worshiping him instead of God, he's going to keep preaching the lie. But Paul calls these guys out. He puts it on paper. He sends it to the churches. He's saying, if they come in my name, don't listen to them. They strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed and they overthrow the faith of some. That's what the devil's trying to do is steal your inheritance. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ bear fruit. Oh, depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are many Excuse me, in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver. Gold is uh, somebody that's fully sanctified. Silver is redemption, but also of wood and clay. There's people that are, that are living in the flesh. Some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses, that's the word purgeth or prune, same word in our text. If anyone purgeth himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, because our sanctification is the will of God, and useful for the master prepared for every good work. Well, how do you purge yourself? How do you sanctify yourself? Well, you have to do it by the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. But you flee youthful lust. You pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. How? With those who are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. You avoid foolish discussions. You, you avoid these things. You have to have a plan and be led by the Spirit and don't get caught up and make sure you know that you're being disciplined, not for salvation, but because of your salvation, because you're about the will of God. We'll quit. So if you've borne fruit, you need to bear more fruit. Let God prune away some of the things that are hindering you. Maybe it's false teaching. Maybe it's false actions. Maybe it's bad soil. Maybe it's bitterness in your heart. Maybe it's your, your eyes are keeping an eye on one world while you're trying to walk in another. 
You got to go all in. You got to be dead. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. It can bear no fruit. And we are supposed to be fruit bearers just like a vine is supposed to bear fruit. And if we are attached to the true vine of Israel, Jesus the Christ, we have to bear fruit that looks like him. So pray for me that I would bear fruit like that. And I'll pray for you that you will bear fruit like that. And then let's do it together as the body of Christ. And when people see us loving one another, they'll know we're his disciples and they'll want to be part of it. But don't forget, we're living in the last days where apostasy abounds. And we're only gleaning the corners of the fields because the harvest is almost over. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that if we'll abide in your vine, you will bear fruit in our lives. Thank you for pruning, Lord. Thank you. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Help us to receive your word with meekness for the continued saving of the soul. Lord, that we would not have to be chastised as Hebrews 12 tells us, but that we would freely be led by your spirit because we're your children. Train us, Lord. Teach us, Lord. Sanctify us, Lord. Wash us and cleanse us, Lord. For your glory for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?